my uh, daughter-in-law, Sally, sent me a picture of my son and grandson, Josh and Jackson. And they are both in their football attire, and they are kneeling on one knee, and Jackson's got the football under his hand. And he's blonde, my son is blonde, and they're looking at the camera, and Sally's comment is, uh, do you think they're related? And you can look at it and tell, absolutely, these two people are related. This is father and son. They love each other. They love this moment. I want to go to a Kodak moment in the life of Jesus. All right? It's the moment when his dad says, I love you, son. It's a moment for the whole world to watch. It's public. It's on display. It's in the text. It's written out carefully. Recorded by three of the four gospel writers. God's moment with his son. When he announces something for all the world to overhear. He wants everybody to hear it. It's okay. It's in Luke chapter 3. Verse 2 of this chapter says, During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. Verse 3 says, He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. See that? That's John the baptizer preaching a message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 21 says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Say that with me. Jesus was baptized too. Say it one more time. Jesus was baptized too. You know how old he was? He was 30 years old when Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. So he was 30 years old beginning his ministry when Jesus was baptized too. It's a picture of a son and a father loving each other, loving us on the banks of the Jordan River. We are baptized because Jesus was baptized too. All right? We're baptized because Jesus was baptized. I actually have a picture 
of a spot in the Jordan River where I baptize some people. And there we are. There is much water there, by the way. This particular spot, some think it was the place where Jesus was baptized. And, of course, there are these rock walls now and walkways, and people are frequently baptized there. My friend Joe Cannon is standing there, and I'm about to baptize him in the Jordan River. All right? And uh, we're going to go all the way under. Because in the New Testament, if you wanted to baptize, you didn't need a cup or a pot or a bowl. You needed much water if you were going to baptize. Picture it for a moment. People gathered by the Jordan River, out there sort of in the wilderness, away from civilization. All kinds of folks are coming to the water to be baptized by John. Sometimes John calls them out and says, What are you guys doing here? Why'd you come? There are the religious elite, religious professionals that are coming. Lots of common, ordinary people, carpenters and folks like that who are coming to be baptized. Men and women and children by the hundreds and even thousands coming from Judea and from Galilee to be baptized at the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And this man looks odd. He's strange. He's dressed in camel's hair. He eats locusts and wild honey. He lives out there in the wilderness. And when people come, they hear bombastic sermons about sin and repentance and turning from their sin and getting right with one another and righteous living. And John spares no punches. He doesn't pull any punch. He eventually ends up in jail and then executed because on the banks of the Jordan River, in his preaching, he lashes out at the political authority, Herod. And Herod has him arrested for it, and eventually he's executed. On this particular day, as all these people are gathered from all over the place, all different kinds of people, rich and poor, powerful, and, and with no influence at all, widows and children here comes Jesus of Nazareth Jesus comes walking through this is a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin that's what it says here and now in walks somebody whom John himself introduces to the world as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and he is absolutely spotless. There is no sin in him. He is the model human being. John has known this man all his life. He's grown up in Galilee, there in Nazareth. People know him well. He astonishes them. He talks like no man ever talked before. And Jesus comes walking through the crowd, and they make way for him. And Jesus says to John, I want to be baptized too. Now Luke doesn't record it, but Matthew says that when John the Baptist says, uh, here's Jesus asking for baptism, John says, what? You want me to baptize you? I have need to be baptized by you. 
He says to Jesus, why don't you baptize me? New. Permit it to be this way now, Jesus says, in order to fulfill all righteousness. Which means, John, I want to do everything that's right. I want you to baptize me. There are only a few instances in the Bible where Jesus is in the spotlight, but he's not in charge. He's in the spotlight, but he's not the one who's the subject. Here, he allows a man named John to plunge him into the Jordan River Helpless in his hands, just as every candidate is. You know, those folks we baptized this morning could have worried that maybe Taylor would hold them under too long, you know? Or maybe I would. They might get choked. What are they going to do to me? I'm a little afraid of water. Jesus was baptized too. I don't want to be dripping wet in front of a crowd. Jesus was baptized too. Is this really necessary? Jesus was baptized too. With no sin to repent of, he went under the water at the hands of John the Baptist. Why would he do that? The sinless Son of God come from heaven to save us. Is this necessary for Jesus? He did it for you. He did it for you. He did it for you because he wants the drama of baptism locked into your memory tracks. Nothing so stays with you as publicly going into a pool of water or a Jordan River and having somebody dunk you under the water. You remember that the rest of your life. Friday night I preached to a bunch of preaching professors from all over the continent, actually. And one of them happened to be from Chicago, from Moody Bible Institute. And when I visited with him earlier... I said to him, well, my father went to St. Paul Bible College. He said, he did? Well, I'm part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. That's the denomination I grew up in. And I told him I was baptized as a member of the Christian Missionary Alliance when I was a boy. I'll never forget it because even though I was the same age as these kids, I was baptized in the Crow Wing River in Minnesota at a time when the water was really too cold for humans to be in it. I'll never forget that. I have stories to tell you. I baptized my microphone once. It gurgled and everybody heard it. I baptized a fellow once who was six foot eight and fell like a tree, never bended his knees. And when he hit the water, the wave hit the glass, hit the back, splashed over, people in the choir jumped back, they got all wet. 
I got stories to tell you about baptism. I planned to have seven people baptized one Sunday and got there, and the baptistry was absolutely dry. It takes three hours to fill a baptistry. I called the fire department. I had a friend in the fire department. I said, how long would it take you to fill up the baptistry? He said, about 10 minutes. I said, bring that truck over here. They brought the fire truck over to our church, put the hose in there. We baptized them in rusty water meant to put out fires that day. People called the fire department and, and said, hey, there's something going on at First Baptist Church. There's a fire truck over there. Is there a fire or what? I got concerned about the water level in the baptistry one day, and I turned it on when I got in there, thinking I'd get another inch or two in there because I had some big people to baptize. Forgot I left it on. Came back Monday morning to the church. Stepped into the foyer, and my feet were soggy. I thought, what is this? I still have a reputation in Central Texas for flooding the church. As a professor at Baylor, every time she sees me, she says, you're the guy that flooded your church while you were a student. I said, yeah, that's me. Why would God give us such an interesting, almost uncontrollable ordinance and say, I want you to do this to everybody who trusts me as Savior. You go make disciples and you baptize them all over the place, in the rivers, in the ponds, in the tanks. You go baptize them. All these different nation, nationalities and people, all around the people, uh, people who live in deserts and people who live in the cold tundra, I want you to go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why did he do that? Because there's nothing that so sticks in your mind as being dunked in front of a bunch of people at the hands of a preacher. And you say, why would I do that? Reason number one, Jesus was baptized too. He did it to do everything that's right. Now, when I say everything that's right, we get baptized because Jesus was baptized, and we get baptized because of God's approval. See, God was pleased with Jesus at every moment in his life right? Was there ever a moment when the father said, oh man, <laughs> yeah, that's my son, but I don't want to acknowledge him right now. Only on the cross was there a distance between the father and the son when Jesus bore not his own sin, but ours. Every moment, every day, Jesus pleased his father like no son ever did. But the father chose to announce his pleasure in his son when he was dripping wet on the banks of the Jordan River. This is the moment when the father wanted to take a picture with his boy when he sent that dove down from heaven and then he sent his voice, this is my son whom I love. I love this boy. I love this man. He's my son. I am pleased with him. Can you feel the love sp spilling over to you in this moment? It's not just the father's love for the son and the son for the father. It's their love for us. It's this moment 
when Jesus first volunteered in the corridors of heaven to say, I'll go. I'll go to rescue those hopeless, helpless people that you love. I'll take on flesh. I'll lay aside my divine prerogatives. I'll become a human being on the planet. We love them. And God's love for his son is the amazing part of him sending his son. Why would he do that? Send his beloved son that he loves to this planet to be treated like we treated him from the very beginning to be on the world he had made and the world didn't know him among the people he had chosen and the people didn't choose him they didn't receive him from the very first when the door slammed on the inn and he was born out back in the stable there was no room for him on this planet as far as people were concerned All of this happens because God so loved the people of the world. He sent his son. And he announces his approval of his son when he is baptized. You say, why would I want to be baptized? To participate in the pleasure of God. That's why. To be a part of the pleasure of God. God is pleased with his son. And he is pleased with those who follow him in baptism. Somebody said, well, is that how you get God's approval to be baptized? God approves of his son's baptism. He calls us to be baptized. So yes, God approves of baptism. But our approval from God comes only in his son Jesus who pleased him in every way. The way you please the Father ultimately is by receiving and loving his son Jesus. So if somebody says, are we saved by baptism? My answer is no! No religious act can save you. You cannot rescue your eternal soul by getting in a tank of water and have a preacher put you under. The very notion of it, you know now, it sounds ludicrous that that could make you a member of heaven's crowd. The only way that you receive the pleasure of the Father is by putting your faith in and loving his son Jesus. In fact, the scripture says it so plainly in the introduction to the whole matter of Jesus coming to the planet. He came to this planet he had made, and they did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but to as many as receive him. To them he gives the power to become the children of God. To as many as receive the Son, you can see why the Father's 
litmus test for you is whether you love and receive his beloved son. Do you see that? Can you imagine an offense greater to God than your refusal of the son he loves? You turning him out? You turning him away? You casting him aside? Is there anything that would offend a father more? As many as received him. You say, how do I do that? You can only do that in faith. It's only as you trust Jesus as Savior that you receive him and receive the Father's approval. All of your approval from the Father is wrapped up in the Son whom he loves and with whom he is well pleased. So no, baptism doesn't save you. Don't think, because I was baptized as a baby, I got a place in heaven. Don't think that. I don't care if you've heard it before. That's not in the Bible. People say, well, why did they baptize babies? I'm going to give you an opinion, okay? I don't want you to be offended. I'm going to give you an opinion of why I think they started baptizing babies. They thought that baptism saved you. Made you a child of God. Even if you were an infant, didn't know what was going on. You got baptized, you became a child of God. I don't believe that, and it's not here. And then they concluded that unbaptized babies go to hell. They can't go to heaven. And so in ancient times when so many babies died, it was a great concern whether these babies were going to be in heaven or not. I think they made two mistakes. Number one, they taught that baptism saves you. And therefore, the church is the great institution that makes you a member of the family of God by administering this religious act on your behalf. That is not in the book. You only are saved by your faith in Jesus. I hope when you get to heaven, you're not thinking you're going to whip out your baptism certificate and show it to St. Peter. Yeah, I belong here. Look, here's my baptism certificate. That's not, this is serious business. That, that's not how you're going to get your place in heaven. Can you hear this? You will only be in heaven if you have received Jesus as Savior and nothing else can do it for you. And if that baby dies... That baby is covered by the blood of Jesus and goes to heaven to be with Jesus. Baptized or not. You say, why would you teach that? There is not a lot of evidence in the Bible about what happens to babies, but there is some. 
And the man who wrote Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Also said when his baby died, he cannot come back to me, but I will go to him. Where was his dead baby? That baby was in the arms of God, in the house of the Lord. And David said, that's where I'm going to be forever. So don't you worry about your baby that died. Those infants go to be with the Father in heaven. They are covered by the blood of Jesus. They are not perfect, but they are covered by his mercy through the death of Christ upon the cross. I don't believe that unbaptized babies go to limbo or to hell. I believe they go to heaven. And I don't believe that baptism can save you. Only your faith in Christ can save you. Is this me? Is it? Shall I take this off? Okay. Ambidextrous. All right. I can do this with both hands. Now you say, well, did they really baptize people by immersion back in the early days? I got a picture to show you. This is a picture from Masada. And if you guys got that picture from Masada, now this is Judah Doty. She would get in there. Is she here? I mean, she's down there in the baptistry, all right? And we're on the top of Masada. And she's in a baptistry, and you can see it could cover her entirely. We found these baptistries, not just in Masada, which is right there by the Dead Sea, but also in the Qumran community, which preserved the Dead Sea scrolls and dates from this same era as John the Baptist. They made these tanks big enough to dunk them in, just like Jesus was dunked in the Jordan River. We are baptized because Jesus was baptized and we are baptized for the approval of the Father. Because of God's approval. And we are baptized to express obedience that comes through faith. We express obedience that comes through faith when we are baptized. The Father spoke to his son on the banks of the Jordan. He said, you are my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. And there were those who overheard. There was John the Baptist who concluded at that moment, you know what? Jesus is the Son of God. He heard that proclamation at the baptism, and he said, Jesus is the Son of God. It was, it was a great moment for John the Baptist. John the Baptist would say after that, he must increase, and I must decrease. He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Not just water, but the Holy Ghost and fire, that's who Jesus is. All those overhearing included the disciples of John 
People like James and John and Peter and Andrew, they were there. And they heard what happened. That crowd experienced the same thing. All those who were there, overhearing God's spoken pleasure in his son, knowing now that Jesus is God's designated one on the planet, that he has come to rescue us and he represents the Father here on earth. If they were listening, they heard. And they conclude that their spiritual future is all tied up in their relationship with Jesus, God's designated one on the planet. It's obedience to come into that water. You say, well, it doesn't make sense to me. That's all right. You don't have to understand it all. Getting baptized is not a final exam. Actually, you get baptized early on in your walk with Jesus before you have a lot of things figured out. And then for the rest of your spiritual life, you keep unpacking what it meant. And you keep looking back at that moment and saying, oh, wow, that, that was a, amazing. In fact, as I grow older in Christ, the better I understand baptism and the better I understand communion, the Lord's Supper. The ordinances are richer to me now than they've ever been in my whole Christian experience. And baptism happened on the front end of my walk with Jesus. It's not a final exam. It's obedience. It's a step of faith that goes beyond understanding to saying, Lord, you asked me to do this, and so I do. I say I do to you. And when you say I do to God, about baptism, you'll find that he's drawing you to other places where you say, I do. It is very possible that your baptism as a thinking, reasoning human being who understands what's happening to you, your assent to it, will put you in motion spiritually in a way that nothing else could. For you to do this, your testimony might be like Jennifer McGee's testimony that's written on the front of this bulletin, how it put her in motion spiritually. To say yes to God is a powerful thing in your life, even if you don't understand all its implications. Jesus was baptized too. He sent us out into the world and he said, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's bow together. I know there's some folks in the room who may be wrestling with baptism as a believer. You've trusted Jesus as Savior. You know that you're saved. 
but you've not been baptized as a believer. This invitation is your opportunity to just walk up and say, I want to be baptized. Like Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan. I want to go under the water as a witness to him, a testimony to him, and the drama of his death, burial, and resurrection. I want to say yes to this. So in a moment, if you want to say yes to following Christ in baptism, you find one of these counselors and say, I'm ready to be baptized. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus as Savior. You've been relying on some religious act, some duty you've performed, some good works that you've done, just hoping you'd make it. Look, you can have a place prepared for you in heaven if you will acknowledge Jesus as Savior, confess your sin, and trust in him. Jesus will prepare a place for you if you will receive him as Lord and Savior. And you can do that today. Thank you, God, that you were at work at that moment, that wonderful, amazing moment when your son came out of that water. That he did that for us. That you spoke these words so we would see and know and hear. Thank you that they are recorded for our instruction and our understanding, our encouragement. Lord, they motivate us and inspire us. God, I pray that you will help us follow you and everything that for certain we see you doing. Help us to be obedient in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.